0: Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason.
1: Well, greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast. Got another great episode for you today because I've got a great guest. His name is Lee Lubers of Lubers Farms in Gregory, South Dakota. You know Lee; he's been on here a number of times. Got some really good business insights, and we're going to be sharing business insights with you today because here we are at the very end of the year twenty twenty one, looking ahead to the year twenty twenty two. You know, farming is a business. Agriculture is a business. You know, we like to talk about the lifestyle and being out there and and the sunsets and all those beautiful things but if it is not a business and you do not manage it like a business there is no lifestyle. So Mr. Lubbers is going to share with us today, tax strategy, tax avoidance versus tax management. We're going to talk about year end tax strategy and how they do things there a little differently than maybe you think most farm operations do, but these are lessons you can apply to your own farming operation. So again, we're talking about year end tax strategy, tax avoidance versus tax management. We're not just talking about it for this year because you might be listening to this when it's already past New Year's Day. Doesn't matter are lessons and practices you can apply to your farming business for years to come lee lubers will thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom hey anytime okay so um i'll just go ahead and cut to the chase um i think pretty much you're like 2021 uh Mm -hmm. the farm belt with the exception of uh beef feeders and uh, tree products and some specialty crops, pretty much ag has made good money in 2021. So what that means, of course, is I've made all this money. I got to go to the equipment dealer on December 31st and stand there with my checkbook and say, I made a bunch of money. I don't want to pay taxes. How can I give you hundreds of thousands of dollars to avoid taxes? Isn't that good tax planning? Isn't
2: that good business practices? Lee Lubbers. Uh, my opinion is it's the biggest cardinal sin in production agriculture. Uh, there's two mindsets. There's tax avoidance and tax management. And I think tax avoidance uh, probably perpetuates 90% of the operations out there. And it's, it's one that 25 years ago, we would have been guilty of when, uh, uh, before my brother and I took over the operation, our dad had the same philosophy. Farmers don't pay tax. Your farm, you're not going to do that. You're going to go get something. So you don't pay tax. And we question that philosophy. And then as we took over the farm corporation, our S corp, it's like, no, it needs to be tax management, not tax avoidance. And the one place you'll never find us in the month of December is in an implement dealership in a sales office. (laughs) <laughs> uh okay. sorry we're just not to do it uh i've talked to other producers i've talked to lenders i know uh, out there in the egg world and it can create a lot of problems uh guys would just come in i i've talked to salespeople i know and they just laugh they said guys will come in and throw down the checkbook and say i want a tractor they don't even ask the price i'm not paying tax I question how you can spend three or five or seven, whatever dollars it is to save $1 in potential tax liability. And actually in your business, it's every year and you keep going through it. You're not a one trick pony. So how I see that happening, where a lot of people get caught, they go and they trade to get out of paying tax. And yes, there's needs and wants. And I'm not condemning anybody for trading or updating equipment. We do it ourselves, but we have a plan for doing so. But when you're doing it just to avoid tax, it's a very poor business decision. And I see that it rolls on. It it has a tail to it. People walk in, they'll trade for a piece of equipment. Then they go, oh man, I just spent 400,000 and now i got to figure out how to pay for this. Yeah. So then when a quarter land comes up, they'll go, well, I'll throw out a high bid so I can get that so I can have more acres for my new piece of equipment. And they think that cost averaging works. And one of the economic principles that I learned at TPAP, uh, the executive program for agricultural producers mm-hmm. that Danny Kleinfelter taught that cost averaging does not work long-term. So then it perpetuates more bad business decisions, right? You, you keep, you keep trying to do it, keep the deal rolling to avoid tax. And it actually lets you make other decisions that are not the best for your operation. Okay. So let's say the person listening to this right now, um, fully
1: understands what we're talking about, but let's say there's a handful of them that don't know what we're talking about. You know, maybe it's a younger person that's coming into the the business operation with the family and doesn't fully get the joke that I made, which really isn't a joke. It's only a joke because great humor has a basis in truth. Um, Dear listener, what we're talking about is it's not uncommon still in this day and age that, uh, and I make jokes about it in my audiences that my brother, when he was still alive, you know, end of the year, had it, just killed it. And so he ran out and bought a bunch of pharmacy. They didn't even really need, but it's that old thing of, well, I'm not going to pay taxes. So there, there has been this thing for a long time. And it is not foolish to want to minimize tax burden. Of course, any small business or big business does that. It's the methodology that you're doing, which seems very happenstance last minute and not well
2: thought out that we're talking about. Isn't that right, Lee? Uh, exactly. Uh, years ago, I was sitting down with the senior partner of our accounting firm, and I said, Gary, over the years watching all your successful clients in and out of agriculture, were the guys that, uh, that would buy things, pay interest versus paying tax, did they end up being better off? He thought for about five seconds, and he says, no, the guys who do tax management always end up better. And what also happens is a double-edged sword. If you trade strictly on tax avoidance principles, is as we all know, there's ebbs and flows in farm income. <laughs> Ended on a good year, and then the next year's not nearly as good. You've got to pay for that, and you don't have the income. So then you're hurting on the income side. You have the large payments. Uh, what we do is we build into it. When we have a good year. We're going to pay some tax and it's actually money well spent uh, because I will sit there and go through things with our accountant and our lender. And when it all gets explained, we're actually gaining, we're saving money by doing it. And yes, we're all for running good functional equipment that we need for our operation. Everybody should, if you can, but we set all off of cost per acre, cost per bushel. Uh, We want a good cost. And that's that's what drives our decisions. Uh, like our accountant, uh, in another conversation, I I pointed out a, some very successful businesses in the area that are outside of Ag. and I had a feeling that maybe they did business there. I just had a hunch, and I said when I look at these businesses and how well they've grown over the years, and how well they have done and their growth, I said I know darn well that. They didn't do anything based on tax avoidance. They ran their businesses and then deal with the tax repercussions prior to the end of the year. And they said, you're exactly right. That's what successful businesses do. Maybe they didn't pay any tax, but they ran their business. They focused on running their business, being profitable. They didn't do it. The whole year, the mindset of I'm not going to pay tax.
1: Yeah. So, you, you know, it's, it's people say funny stuff. Uh, I've been running my own business for 28 years. And so uh, I've always made the crack that these people that say, oh, you can buy that because you can write it off. I'm like, what do you think that means? If you, you know, the person that has a normal job that doesn't uh, do things the same you do at Luber's Farm or I do here at Damien Basin Enterprises, they'll say things like, well, you should buy that because you can write it off. I said, what? To you, what does that mean? Do you think that that means that this money just drops out of the sky and that's what a write-off is? It means I still pay for it first off, which means I still have to cash flow it or go or or, or get into you know usable money that I have. And then, if I were to buy this thing, um, because then I can use it as an expense, as you say what does that do for me next year now for my cash position when I might need that money to do the next thing or build my business? And that's kind of what you're talking about here is that you, you obviously spend a lot of money there at Luber's farm. You farm 17,000 acres. You've got more than uh, you know, a dollar or two worth of equipment. So it's not as though you don't have all these things going on, but if you looked into view at just how to get a few hundred thousand dollars off of your books, you might be making a bad decision. that's going to come back to haunt you
2: January, February, March, even June of next year, right? Exactly. Uh, Every purchase we make, whether it's for input, cost, uh, personal item, wanna buy a boat, uh, that's your thing. uh, You trade tractors, anything. You're committing working capital. That's what you're doing. And that's very valuable to have. By the way, just do me a favor. Tell
1: me for the love of God, you're not into boats because uh, I'm still of the belief that that thing, the old
2: statement, the two happiest days in a boner's life, the day they buy it and the day they sell it, right? I go by the Warren Buffett quote, yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, a, bo- a boat is a uh, is a hole in the water that you throw money into? <laughs> like he said, he doesn't want to own a boat. He wants friends with boats. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and the he best. can afford it. And
2: he can afford it. Okay, so...
1: Um, You're talking about getting into uh, this. So these folks that are doing this, they're doing it because they do look around and say, okay, I'd prefer to not pay taxes. The peril in that again is that it ties up working capital. And also it seems very last minute, very haste, very uh, not well thought out. Is that the biggest concern? Because then they're going to get caught with their pants down six months from now because they spent that money to avoid taxes when they really should have paid a little taxes and then had the, the working capital back. Is that
2: the, is that the peril? Well, like they say, the the two things you can't get away from is death and taxes, and that's totally right. Uh, I've seen operations before where they keep trading, uh, buying, doing mud multi-unit discount deals on equipment. And I know people that use mud deals to their advantage, and they work very well. But I've also seen where at the end of the career or an untimely death that everything's got to get sold just to pay the notes. Because- When you sign that note with mother deer, case, cat, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of that deal, eventually, that amount's got to be to zero. Somebody's going to have to pay that, you or your kids. Uh, I've had a couple very heart-to-heart discussions with people that I know in the industry, and they said, we got doing mud deals because we didn't want to pay a big tax liability one year now we can't afford to get out of it yeah right so it becomes the permanent <laughs> scheme it's it's it be- <laughs> they can't get out of it they're they're stuck i mean essentially their dealer became their drug dealer they'll yeah. sell them they'll, they'll sell you whatever you want yeah and when you you call the mug you call the mug deal what's the mug again M- mud is multi-unit discount multi yes a-
1: and yeah you're, you're right it's uh it, and you, you sound like you're being mean as the drug dealer, but it is, it's like you said, now that they're bought into this thing every year or two, they got to go in and do the full. And it usually ends up being almost full line of uh, of a machinery. You're not talking about usually one piece of equipment. It's usually like
2: a dozen pieces of equipment that roll in that Right. Yeah. And, but I know very well in their operations because the driving force was for their operations and their growth They did it based all on business principles, cost per acre, cost per hour. They're making it work. The people that I've seen that have gone out and go, I'm not going to pay any tax. It's always come back and bid them on the back end. And again, it was tax avoidance, tax management. Or I should say, instead of tax management, business management. It's just core principles.
1: Okay, so speaking of business management, so you have a lot of machinery there because you cover a lot of acres and uh, you you, uh, you you clearly own uh, or lease however the, the deal works, a lot of machinery. So- you've got a different method that you go about where it's not just for tax reasons. It's about what the operation needs. And also you can't let everything get fully depreciated. Then you are trying to do every piece of equipment all at once, because that would probably hamstring you on again on your capital. Tell me a little bit about how you at Luber's farms go about the equipment part, rather than letting a tax um, situation in one year, dictate it you are long haul uh with a bigger vision for the next six and seven and nine years tell me about that
2: uh well this is not the pretty spreadsheet that the bank ended up with this is the rough draft what i did is uh and actually can be updated every year and everybody can do this it's a good exercise i feel good business exercise i have our insurance list and everything all the items are marked all of our big ticket items are all highlighted And then I come over here and code it over to the same number. And that's a piece of equipment. And basically I write a short synopsis of the piece of equipment, the hours per year we put on and how long we think we're going to run it until we trade, because we have everything, we have everything always being staggered out Uh, because that's the thing. If you just like, I'm not going to trade, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to spend the money eventually you have stuff ready to go the junk pile. Uh, eventually it will wear out. You can keep it up, great preventive maintenance. Eventually it's outdated. Then the hit on your working capital is terrible. So, and we're not into the camp of, Hey, let's trade. So we don't pay tax. We feel this is a happy medium and we have our equipment laid out as long as seven years, depending on its use rate and that way, as we're sitting down with our lender, I send a copy to him and I said, please keep this in our loan file. That way when we're building cash flows for every year, we can go, oh, hey, this is the year that you think it's it should be a good year to update this tractor yeah. or this prior this specific item, and you build it into your cash flow so you can maintain it. Uh, it it takes out the big bite. And the one thing it really enforces with your lender is great communication. They really appreciate that. Uh, Kevin Matthews, uh, he did it in, uh, over East in North Carolina. And as he said, his lender was amazed that he would do that. And I did the same thing. And your lender appreciates that because it means you're having foresight and you have a plan for your business. You're going to run it like a business. Uh, we love running new too. And I mean, it doesn't matter if we run it one year or 10 years. Uh, if we're going to run it longer, we keep it waxed. We keep it up anyways. So uh, we're going to look at cost per acre, cost per hour. Okay. So
1: you, um, you just shared something there that uh, while you might have a fat year, you might have a thinner year in terms of crop revenue, that's not going to judge, uh, that's not going to determine your, your uh, decision on equipment. But does it accelerate it like in a year like, say, 2021, where you, you know, yields were good and uh, and prices were good. Do you bump up and say, well, based on the fact that our revenue uh, exceeded expectations by 25 percent, we are going to accelerate this, this and this on some acquisitions. Does that happen?
2: Uh, This year we did bump up two items, but we did it months ago. We didn't do it at the last minute where we're at the mercy of the dealer. Yeah. Uh, one was updating our high-speed planner, and it had uh, between thirty-five and 40,000 acres. It was time we wanted to update it. And we priced around three dealers, and we pushed them pretty hard, and we got the deal done. And actually, we got a great trade, uh, our very low cost per acre. And we did it before the market got all squirrely because right now junk is selling good and and good stuff is selling great. So we were ahead of that. And same way on a tractor purchase, Uh, we had a tractor we bought new that had 3000 hours on it, Uh, has given us zero problem. We could run it however long we wanted to, 5000, 6000, we weren't afraid to doing that. But we started checking around and we actually uh, found a dealer. We were happy with what they were giving us for our tractor. And then we thought about going to a new one, and it only had 200 hours on it, and does that's like demo hours. And now with the large price increases due to all the COVID supply chain disruptions, yes, tractors are going up 12 percent. Yeah. So to get to order a new one and wait eight to 12 months to get it, we were going to pay $65,000 more to trade. Well, that just made that 200-hour tractor looked like a real sweetheart of a deal. And we traded and we got really good money out of our tractor. They actually had it sold before it ever came into the dealership. It was gone. First guy who looked at it, it was gone. And we got a really good cost per hour on our tractor trade. And these are items like, hey, if we do it within one to three years, we're fine. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did accelerate it, but we did it based on, good cost we got a good trade we didn't do it like hey we think we're going to have a good year we don't want to pay tax so
1: other things that you look at since we said it's about strategy on taxes and we're going to also talk about how you involve your lender uh in that so which thing you want to talk about other strategies or letting your lender be part of uh, tax management which thing do you want to go with first
2: uh we actually do something rather unconventional uh we have our lender attend our tax planning meeting with our accountant. And the first time I asked Jason about it, he goes, you want a what? He said, I would like you there. I said, I really think it'd be good. It'd be a good exercise for all of us. And since we've done it, we do it every year. It's one of the meetings that all three of us look forward to because we all learn so much. Uh, A lender looks at your farm a little bit differently than your accountant. They both have different criteria. And then I'm sitting in the middle, the mm-hmm. buck stops here, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to say. Right. And what I learned from them is huge. It re- a, it reinforces the relationships with your accounting firm and your lender. Those are priceless. They're a part of your, your team. Uh, you need to have great communication. So it strengthens that. Because they, they have clients that cross over other clients. So it gives each of them a perspective of what's going on Mm -hmm. on the farm side of it. And then it's the most powerful learning exercise that I do every year. What I, what I learn in the notes I take, uh, I always joke. I tell them, I said, I'm just sitting here in the middle and I'm going to soak it all in. And, And I do because I learned so many good business ideas hearing them play off of each other. And even this year uh, we had a land note and it was a good rate, but our lender voluntarily said, we can get you this rate and we can change your amortization. We can do this stuff. This is going to save you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And Jason and I had talked about it and thought it was, we should do this. But after we had a conversation with Pam We learned how to structure it. Wait, 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 you're giving me names. Who's Pam? So you got banker and lender. Uh, The senior partner at our firm. So Jason and Pam, and I'm in the middle. Yes, we have to sign the checks at the end. But once they got talking about how to restructure the note, change the amortization and between our entities, how to do it, they came up with a new plan that was gonna gain us thousands more yet again. And then also there was not going to be any conflicts between lending and accounting, which you got to keep both of those. Right. So that conversation was huge for us this year. I mean, it it made us a ton of money, saved us money, made us money.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. So a couple of things here, Lena, I'm, I'm uh, on the record as saying, that you should always use, uh, bankers for the, for their expertise and accountants for their expertise, but you should be careful about letting them step out of their, their batting box. Uh, you know, I don't take, uh farming advice from a lender or from a accountant you in and, and i think that's the important part you're still the one that says yeah this is still my operation but uh i'm i'm gleaning this from you and you so you've got some synergies by bringing them both in the same room but still you were the decision maker about your business
2: right exactly what when i make the joke every year about i'm in the middle and i'm just going to soak all this in they said no lee this is your and Terry's operation, uh, you're in charge. But as they throw out ideas, they're, they're huge and ways to save us money, make us money. And actually, like they both said, after we got doing this, it made both of their businesses better mm-hmm. how they related to their customers. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the first time I've ever actually publicly said that we do this and i've confided in three really good friends very good operators that this is what we do when i first said it, they said are you nuts mm-hmm. you don't want to get them in the same room then i explained why and how it works and they go oh my gosh lee you're totally right we're gonna do that and now they do it and they said to best meeting of the year uh Great. it really if you if you structure it right it because the way it is, it's our operation, but you're getting input and synergies going that would never exist otherwise. Now we
1: talked mostly about uh, tax and your end strategy, and this is a little bit uh, off of that uh, subject. But one thing that I always point out is bankers and accountants and attorneys as well all are bred to play defense. But you are a farming operation, and you're not really bred to play defense. If you were all about defense, you wouldn't go out and plant anything. You'd, if you were all about defense, you might have uh, become a banker instead of a farmer. How do you temper that? Because generally, they always look about how to not lose, how to not lose. Well, you know, that's defense. You've got to be on offense, too. Tell me about the, 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 the personality
2: management with that and those two people. When you're working with the right people, they want you to win.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And you work with the right people. Uh, It was a long search to get to our accounting firm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were frustrated, uh, tried three, four other places. We started local and then uh, moved around. And then uh, finally we heard good things about this firm and we actually went into it like a job interview Mm -hmm. and we brought all of our information, requested a meeting with them and we decided this is where we should be. Uh, same thing with our lender. We approach it like a job interview, uh, when our other lender was retiring and they didn't mentor anyone to take his place, he gave us the forewarning, uh, that we needed to maybe look at doing a switch Yeah, and we did, it took some time. And, and that's the one thing as you work with these relationships, uh, we feel so good about it because they want us to win. They want us to do well. Uh, so it's, they don't really come across that as as defense like we all got to hold our cards tight they want us to see they want to see us do well they want to see our kids prosper uh it's a win-win lee there's a question also
1: by the way dear listener and viewer lee was on these very airwaves cutting the curve uh about a few months ago on this very subject of the importance of the right lender. If you have not heard that episode, just go to extremeag.farm and go back and find, uh, the, the episode where we talked about the importance of the right lender. Remember when you're in business, you oftentimes are using other people's money, uh, to expand and grow your empire. And so Lee talks a lot about that in a past episode, and I recommend you go and listen to it when you finish listening to this episode. Um, other strategies, other things that you look at, other things that when you're saying, all right, I'm going to continue to build this empire, um, what strategies have you employed or what, uh, what things have you done right and what things have you learned the hard way that were bad strategies in the past? You know, you, were, you yourself were 25 years ago, one of those guys standing there at the, at, the, at the machinery dealership with your check saying, I need to buy something to get this off my books. What else? What have you learned for over the years that uh, has helped you
2: in your strategies? Well, we learned through a few very important conversations that we were smart enough to listen to that we need to run our farm as a business because it doesn't matter if it's widgets or wheat. Mm. It's a business. Uh, we enjoy what we do. Uh, farming is a pretty cool profession because you think about it. Almost all operations out there are multi-generational legacy based business and they're not viewing themselves at that. Uh, Look at how many corporations have been built up and that have changed things and done great in the world. And they use business principles to get there. Mm -hmm. And they're not Mm -hmm. multi-generational, nothing like most ag operations are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not trying to uh, take away the romance of production agriculture. I mean, I love what I do for a job, but it's got to pay the bills at the end of the day. And it's got to be working ahead in the years Uh, for legacy and succession Uh, viewing our farm as a business that's how we started to approach our succession planning and all that and everything for the kids and uh, saving for college at a very early age it just it changes your mindset how to look at things I'm going to ask you a question about some of the things that do
1: impact one's taxes. Uh, Right now we're in a situation where agricultural real estate is pretty frothy. Um, Is it uh, at a, is it, is it at a uh, peak? Is it going to bust? I'm not saying anything like that. I can just say that it looks like it's fairly frothy, but there's a folks that have made good money. They're saying, Hey, miles will go ahead and buy that land. They ain't making any more of it. How many times have you and I both heard that? Uh, And uh, they might be getting a little bit, shall we say over their skis um is buying real estate um when things are when things are been really good for you the right things is that the right place to take your money because that's what commonly happens is that a good tax strategy or is that something separate
2: uh land owning land has worked well for us but we never did it based on tax purposes it was just a long-term play we still view land that way uh we're not going to be blinded by pride of ownership. Like, Hey, we have to own it. Yeah. Uh, I know there's always a joke. I don't want everything. Just whatever I border. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So if there's something in it, and it works, uh, this spring, we bought a pro- piece of property from a landlord and, uh, and, and it worked for everybody and we made sure that it worked for everybody, but we're not just going to like get on a wave and think we got to ride it either. Uh, Really, we're not really viewing our operation any differently than when corn was 350. It's, it's keep our eye on the prize. It's a long term game because markets expand and contract. Yeah. Uh, we positioned a lot of things ahead of these, all of these supply chain disruptions because we knew what the contraction was going to be expansion. It's actually expanded even more than we had planned for, but we found a lot of ways to manage our risk ahead of time. And that included what we did on land. Okay. What about deploying uh, dep- different
1: depreciation schedules? And, and you're closer to this than I am. I mean, we've, we've seen this come and go with what is it? Section 217 or whatever the thing is where you can immediately write off stuff. Has it mattered? I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tool, but has it been life or business changing for you on how you go about depreciating off new acquisitions?
2: We will maybe, depending on the year, depreciate a smaller item, an auger or something like that. Just burn it up, use it in one year. But historically, we look at going the full seven years. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. And then uh, other things that maybe the uh, the
1: farm operation that is not as savvy that doesn't do as many meetings with the lender and the and the CPA at the same time. What things would you say in the last few years you've picked up on that they're that they would benefit from? Is there anything that I'm missing? In the way of strategies
2: or even just ways of thinking? Well, uh, it's changed even over our careers. It's so capitally intensive to go out and just to farm to do anything day to day that you have to get more of a business mindset, uh, the lifestyle mindset, keep your lifestyle, enjoy your, enjoy working with your family, uh-huh. uh, go to the river, find the friend with the boat, you know, <laughs> do, yeah, right. do what you how to do In, enjoy what you do, but run your, run your farm as a business because ultimately that's what it is. And if your intent is it to go to the next generation, you really need to have that mindset or else it won't survive. Uh, and then any advice, I mean, I, I've thrown it
1: out there to people that want to have their own little business and they look me up and then I say, well, first off, uh, don't ever buy a thing just because of the write-off. That's usually a really asinine way of looking at things, buying something just for the write-off. Also uh, the, the one thing that I would say is um, while you, you definitely want to minimize the amount of taxes you're paying, realize that it's, like you said, a long haul thing. When, when I, I always look at it as, um, let's make sure that I'm, uh, that I'm going to keep, keep here. I want to be, I want to be alive. I want to, I want to live to fight again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Is there anything that you uh, you look around and you're like, hey, here's something that I really think that I should advise people on or because of a mistake you made? Is there a mistake you made?
2: Well, I think one of the most important criteria on equipment is always look at it in regards to tax management, business management, not tax avoidance, because there has been a lot of unnecessary purchases out there that people have done, and it's come back to haunt them in their business. When things, get, when things do contract, and guess what? Everything, it does this. It's like a rubber band. Expansion, yeah. contraction. Uh, prices are good now guess what, Uh, now input prices have come up to take a lot of that. So 22 doesn't look quite as rosy when you start crunching those numbers. So if you do something based on what's in your rear view mirror, no, you gotta be looking forward. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's the interesting thing is that uh, a lot of folks uh, walk around looking back behind them and say, well, i to do that again. Well, you know, there's a whole different uh, set of parameters coming up in the year ahead than there were for the year, the year prior that you probably aren't thinking about talking about year end tax strategy, tax avoidance versus tax management. The big one of course was on equipment purchases. Uh, Mr. Lee's, uh, advice was be on a schedule, be on a schedule that works for your business, not based on what the tax situation looks like. It's especially important right now when machinery is really tight. I mean, it seems to me that some of these folks might be making Lee a really bad emotional decision because they have made money, but they're, so they're also overpaying because the
2: machinery market is tremendously frothy right now. Am I right? Yeah, that, that's that been a big driving factor in the big uptick in the last five to six months. And uh, so people that are doing core purchases now are paying at an absolute all-time high premium. And then the other piece of
1: advice you gave us was about about equipment is definitely be methodical about it. You said have the hours, you said you've got the piece of equipment, the hours you're putting on, on an annual basis and the projected or prospective trade date. Now you might move that by a year either way based on current cash position or if some factor changes on that, but you're not doing it based on simply uh, tax avoidance this year. And then you used to give a piece of advice. You said you started becoming more powerful when you invited your lender into the same room with your CPA. And then it was a three-way meeting operator, you lender, uh, CPA um, to the person that wants to implement that. What's your
2: advice? Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Be brave and do it. Uh, it. It caught both our lender and accountant a little bit off guard. And before we got done with the first meeting, we weren't thirty minutes into it. They lo- both looked at me and said, "Lee, this is awesome. We wish other customers would come would come to us saying they want to do this. Mm-hmm. We would we would love to do this because it's a learning experience for everybody. We've all gotten better by it. All three of us.
1: Yeah." Yeah. And, and of course, as long as there's confidentiality there, because the average person keeps everything, uh, keeps it separate because they're concerned that, uh, that, that uh, this becomes public information, which of course would, uh, would not behoove you at all. Uh, any final thoughts? You're in tax strategy, tax avoidance versus tax management. Some of the tactics that Lee Lubers of Lubers Farms and Gregory South Dakota is employing there. We talked about equipment. We talked about not being emotional. We talked about being uh, having greater foresight uh, when you're making decisions on December 30th. Uh, uh, is it is it really the best time? Maybe you should have been thinking about that back in September, as you talked about. Um, we also went through the the uh, the, the big thing here about uh, uh, just because the neighbor's doing it, you know, just because they do stuff like this. You've been a little bit, shall we say, uh, of a of a maverick. You've been a little bit uh, off the playing field here. You're doing things differently than other folks do. Uh, that can be a little bit of a challenge, a little
2: bit uncomfortable. You're in some uncharted territory, aren't you? When everybody says that about, oh, keeping up with the Joneses, you always got to remember there's all, the Joneses are always going to be there. Don't try to keep up with anybody else. Uh, focus on your own business, your own operation. That's where you'll find success. Uh, that, that's how we view it. I mean, do what's right for your operation yeah. and, uh, that, and, and go with that. I agree with you right there. I think that's a good place to wrap this up. We're
1: talking about year end stuff. And again, dear listener and viewer, whether you are listening to this and it's the end of the year or not, we're talking about you know, this is, this is a long game and, and Mr. Lubbers is not talking about the year 2021 specifically, not one thing he said, other than a few of the marketplace, um, uh, specifics that are happening right now, like the, the equipment prices being up so greatly, nothing was so year specific. This is really a playbook for your operation for next year and next decade. Am I right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Tax avoidance versus tax management. You're a business, run your farming operation like a business. Businesses don't make big rash decisions on December 30th that could also end up hurting or shall we say hamstringing their business six and 12 months down the road. His name's Lee Lubbers. My name's Damian Mason. If you want to find more great information, go ahead and check out all the past episodes here at extremeag.farm. If you would like to take this to the next level, you can become a paying member. It doesn't cost hardly anything, like $999 a year and you can become a member of extremeag.farm, having exclusive access to people like Lee and the other founders of Extreme Ag. Also, if you were a member of extreme ag natures is going to pay for you to go to commodity classic this march that's right you can go to commodity classic for free if you become a paying member of extreme ag so i encourage you to consider doing that so otherwise check out the free stuff with great people like lee right here and uh, share this with your friends ag and non-ag friends alike anybody you think can up their ag game lee thanks for being here my friend hey anytime have a prosperous 2022 till next time it's extreme ag's cutting the curve
0: That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions,